More and more, we are realizing the true power community has to lift up the human race in so many ways. We started this show to put the spotlight on community organizations, to highlight their contributions, and to share insights on the importance of community. Every week, tune in as our host, Stu Starkey, helps raise awareness around one of the most important aspects in all of our lives. Welcome to the Community of Big Hearts. Welcome back, everybody, to the Community of Big Hearts. As usual, we are highlighting uh, people and organizations that are impacting the communities in a positive way. Uh, This week, I am excited to talk to Kate Heaney from Trellis Family and Youth Support Services. Trellis is a great organization that I'm honored to be able to work with and support. Uh, They are a, a full continuum of care for all ages. Um, that support the Cal- uh, Calgary uh, and Alberta South region. Thank you so much, Stu. It's so nice that you've got me here. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to. We got to chat a few minutes before we started, and I love your energy. So really excited to get into what you guys do and and how um, uh, what kind of impact you guys are having. I, w- I want to get right into it. So Trellis, what do you guys do? You bet. Okay. So if there are any folks from Calgary who are listening to this, some folks may not have heard of our name, we're called Trellis, but we actually are a new amalgamation of the Boys and Girls Clubs of Calgary and Aspen Family and Community Network. So just a quick heads up, we went through that amalgamation during the pandemic, so it's been an exciting year for us. But essentially, we're a not-for-profit charitable organization in Calgary, Alberta, We are now with this amalgamation, probably one of the largest social service agencies in the province. And Trellis now has over 35 programs and they serve families, children, youth, and communities across Calgary and even surrounding area. And we work across all generations of folks. Um, So in summary, our overarching vision is that everyone in our community reaches their full potential. And we do that by improving access to resources, developing family and community supports and just helping people build their own capacity to deal with future challenges. So it's hard to sum up all of those 35 programs. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, and But the cool thing about this new amalgamated organization is that we now serve folks across much of the life, lifespan till adulthood. Um, we work um, all the way from the kind of big picture community development work and prevention work, all the way to really intensive one-on-one interventions for people in our community who are you know, facing a whole variety of complexities, addiction, homelessness, mental health, isolation, any other crises. So we have a whole range of services. Kate, you said that beautifully. Um, I was wondering how you were going to explain that. <laughs> um, I, I had written down here, uh, it might be easier to ask you what you don't do for the community. Um, so uh, I think you summed that up really well. Um, I've got a a bit of experience um, with the Boys and Girls Club before you guys uh, changed to Trellis. A a really good friend of mine is on the board, um, I guess now at Trellis, uh, Sarah Schack, and she pointed me in your guys' direction, and that's how we started to get uh, more involved. I work with her on another board, and um, she kept um, proudly saying how much impact you guys have, so um, really happy to be a part of what you guys do and so many great initiatives. Thank you. You can't see my smile, but hopefully people can feel that. It's always my favorite thing to find out people have a connection. And even for me, um, I 
I have a roommate who was working at Boys and Girls Club and I was working at Aspen and she's one of my best friends in the whole world. And now I get to call her my colleague. So cool stuff totally mm -hmm. happens when we merge together. And, um, and I'm thrilled to hear that you've been hearing great things. I'd love to, to get a little bit more into that. So um, I think that from my experience, Boys and Girls Club is, is such a well-known brand um, and name and uh, maybe Trellis less so for now. Um, I'd love to know kind of how and why um, the merger happened with uh, Aspen and Boys and Girls Club. Absolutely, yeah. So for context, and I guess I didn't introduce this, I my position within this Trellis organization is as a manager of a specific program. So um, I would not say that I am the absolute expert around all of the amazing work that went into our amalgamation. But if I was going to summarize it, I would say that a big consideration is, is that, um, you know, we're working in a, in a time when there's such great need in our communities and so many different amazing sort of nonprofit efforts in that same community are happening. Um, but we also are realistic and we recognize that, um, you know, funds are, are, there's more competition in our community around that support. The need isn't going away. Uh, if I can speak on behalf of our CEO, Jeff Dyer, and what he shared with us around the reason for amalgamation, um, Boys and Girls Club of Clubs of Calgary was actually one of the biggest Boys and Girls Clubs in North America, if not the biggest in terms of scope. And they were realizing over time that their scope of services was not simply on a lot of those things that people often think of with Boys and Girls Clubs, such as the clubs and after school <laughs> care and, and those kinds of supports. And they were offering folks supports to youth in the community. There's a shelter there that we were starting to do family work, Boys and Girls Club in that role. And then similarly, Aspen as an organization, we, we definitely did a lot of similar work to Boys and Girls Clubs, um, but we also were doing family work. So the program that I manage and love is our sustainable families program and we work one-on-one um, -on -one with 105 families in Calgary to support them to exit homelessness. So I think there was an opportunity that Jeff and our leadership in Aspen saw to merge together the amazing frontline capacity and programming that we already have. There's already a ton of overlap in a lot of our programs. There's group care programs in, in both legacy agencies. We had youth programming in both legacy agencies and then also enhance the service and then the other kind of thought around that, as I mentioned around competing for budgets and priorities is that we realized that we could be more effective and have a greater impact on our community together than as two separate agencies that have all of our own kind of back office costs, whether that's accounting, keeping the lights on in the, our spaces. And we could do that more efficiently and effectively if we did it together. Uh, I love that. Um, through a lot of our conversations, we've realized that um, charitable organizations need two things. They, they need passion um, and, and they need uh, a bit of a business sense um, to create efficient programs. So the money that's donated goes as far as possible. And that sounds like you guys have both. Actually, I know you guys have the passion. Um, I was talking to Cassie, our uh, Two Small Men with Big Hearts community coordinator, uh, and her working with um, your team. Um, I believe we did seven moves over the Christmas season for um, clients and families um, that are involved with Trellis. 
And she said when she talked to um, your coordinators, they knew so much about the families and you could tell they just absolutely loved their jobs and the, and the people in the community they were supporting. It, it, she says it's infectious and it's, it's the reason why um, our, our biggest support goes towards Jealous is just the passion um, and, and it's infectious and, and my team is catching it. Thank you for sharing that too. I'm always proud as a manager and, and part of this amazing leadership team when people here get that feedback in the community. Um, I love that. And I think it also speaks that what you just said, Stu, if, if I can speak to that briefly, it's it speaks a, in a big way to a culture, I think, that both uh, the legacy Boys and Girls Club, as we call it, and legacy Aspen agencies cared a lot about and I think really matters in good social service provision, which is that you focus on the needs of your, your, the people you serve first and foremost, and the more you can put directly in that support, the better. And I also think that we can do that by cherishing the incredible people that we hire, finding the right people for those jobs and making sure that they are well taken care of as well and feel valued and supported to do their best work. That holistically, that culture is something that I see already existing at Trellis and is gonna be something that we really push for. Um, because again, I, I truly believe that our best outcomes with families and people that we serve in the community come when our frontline staff are treated well, are given freedom and capacity to do their work really, really well. Um, and it's our job in leadership in the back office space to just enable that work, not to simply exist for our own selves. So, yeah. Well, it, it really shows and, and keep up the great work, Kate. Curious on um, kind of switching gears here a bit. Um, the challenges that, that you guys have faced in 2020 and going forward, um, bringing some of those to light. How much time do you have, Stu? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know, 2020, I think it goes without saying that 2020 has been a year of learning for any human being on this planet. Um, mm -hmm. As someone though working in the nonprofit and social service sector, I think there are two stories. One is a story of real challenge. Um, certainly learning to cope with um, supporting vulnerable people through this pandemic has been really tricky. Trying to manage the needs of the folks we serve um, and our staff and families simultaneously has been really challenging. Most of the programs within Trellis fit within this essential service umbrella because we're, we're providing direct support for things like parenting and we're providing actual housing for a lot of folks. We're managing buildings in some cases. We have a number of youth in our group care programming that it's their home that they go back to. Their home is someone's workplace. And so navigating the need to be able to provide safety for both our staff and those folks, those youth and, and families and individuals was really tricky, especially when we are doing our best to, to respect um, public health guidelines, but also there's, there's inherent risk no matter what you do when you're a frontline worker. Um, my husband happens to be a paramedic, so I would see that every day mm. he's going in with the full-blown PPE. And a lot of our group care staff had to completely change gears and offer support in a new way 
And it's tough to do that with masking and, and distancing protocols and all those pieces or with people getting sick and staffing challenges. So that was a huge challenge for our, our organization, especially at the beginning. We were able to be super agile. And I would say one of the benefits that we had, at least I can speak as Aspen Legacy, is we'd moved a lot of stuff online. <laughs> we'd been doing notes online and files online. A lot of social service folks, um, they're wonderful agencies, but they haven't quite had the opportunity to move in that direction. So we had huge capacity to offer remote support to people in our community as well. Um, and so that was really great, but tricky. Um, so those were all really big challenges. And then of course, the last piece that's hard is supporting families who are facing so much stress and mental health difficulties. And, and for some folks that might mean a relapse into addiction. For others, it's like all of a sudden these kids that have maybe been returned to their care after they've been doing some incredible work on kind of their own well-being, All of a sudden their kids are home 24 seven, which is hard on a parent who already has a full-time job or, a, or a, a really stable income and a lot of support, social supports, but is even harder for folks that are maybe isolated or struggled. So that was tough, but the other, the other story that I think is important to tell is one of resilience. So as much as those things were challenging, we got through it. We were, we were able to leverage the resources that we have. Our community was generous and we had a couple of moments of incredible generosity from community partners to help us support like basic needs for some families and youth in our communities needing help immediately. Um, and we were also um, able to watch, the biggest thing is watch people's resilience in action. Folks figuring stuff out on their own and talking to their friends and family. And there was this sort of feeling of we're all in this together. And in that way, it kind of broke barriers down and allowed us to be really real with the people we serve and, and just work together to figure things out with them. So two sides to the same coin. And, and I have to say very fortunate that we get to keep doing this work right now at a time when we know a lot of people in our world are struggling. Very fulfilling, I'm sure, as well. My answers are really long. I'm just asking. <laughs> I could try it. No, it's, it's good. I, I actually thought for how much you guys do, I thought that was quite concise. Okay. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and like, I can relate to some of that um, change and challenge. Um, you know, we have a smaller organization than, than you guys do. We, we have 150 people that work for us. And, you know, we're in people's homes. Um, uh, delivering service and what's maybe maybe not as appreciated um, the, the change that we had to go through was you know wearing a mask while carrying over the course of a day 10,000 pounds of furniture from a fourth floor walk down or walk up apartment it does put a bit more strain on our movers especially with stress and anxiety about maybe contracting COVID while they're out doing the job and bringing it back to family and and there's so many um, ebbs and flows of, of learning and resiliency, um, as you say, um, that we had to. And I'm sure, you know, with with the, the clients that you support from from the research and the reading I've done, is that people with, in the in the lower socioeconomic um, demographic, they've been harder hit. That the, the, they've lost jobs more prevalently. Um, and like you said, that there's this privilege of spare time for people with more money, being able to direct resources to their kids where um, those that don't 
um, they just they just can't afford to be able to do those things. And I can't imagine trying to figure out what to give up and how stressful that would be where that stress would also impact your decision-making. So thank goodness for organizations like yourself and the one, then the, the number of organizations we've just interviewed around the mental health space. Yeah. Thanks Stu. You're, you're completely right on there for sure. Yeah. A lot of those folks are hit harder and, and even, but I also appreciate what you said, right? There, all of us are experiencing that challenge and like kudos yep. to your movers right now. That is, yep. that is tough work. Um, and I know, yeah. and then the other thing too, is like, there's nothing like a mask and a bunch of distance to make interacting with people feel weird. And we are all <laughs> facing that. Um, and I know when we had some relief in the summer, some of the caseworkers on my team who work one-on-one with families were saying, we're just like meeting in the backyard far away. And my families I'm working with have never been happier to see me. And we're working on all this great stuff because they're just so excited to have that human connection. And I think it just goes to show you how vitally important that is in our world. The, you know, we can get so hung up in so many other things, but connection is so core to like who we are and to our mental wellness, to our, um, to our overall all well being. And so, um, I just relate to you big time on that, Stu, for sure. <laughs> awesome. Um, I want to get into some some stats and facts with you that really helps me. And, and I think a lot of people kind of put things in perspective. Um, so I'd love to know, first off, um, how many people are working for um, Trellis's group of initiatives? So I don't have an exact number for you, Stu, on that. So you may want to include this. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I believe at last estimate, we had approximately 400 staff. Wow. And that includes full-time, part-time, and a number of amazing casual staff who particularly support our 24-hour programs like our youth shelter, our numerous group care settings and our permanent housing complex called the Maple for specifically women um, exiting homelessness. Mm -hmm. So we're pretty big. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I've been to, uh, I think it's called the Splash of Red, um, the the fundraiser uh, gala that um, you guys have. And it's it's truly amazing how the community comes and helps out because they know how much that you guys do for, for their community in Calgary. So that's, uh, again, really cool. Um, I'd love to know, uh, I know you've prepared some stats and would love to hear some of those impactful facts and stats that um, you guys are a part of. Sure. I'm happy to share that. Yeah. <clears throat> so When we look forward to 2021, we are looking at serving over 9,000 individuals across all 34 of our programs. So that's pretty outstanding. That's estimated based on the number of individuals in our community that Boys and Girls and Aspen served in the past year. And that doesn't even include the possible 10,000 plus just interactions we have in some of our community programming where it's not as much direct service provision, but um, where we're having those interactions. So um, a couple other fast facts. So we have seven different group home settings and we're trying to do group homes differently too. This podcast is too short to chat about that, but that is equivalent to 37 beds in seven group homes. Uh, We also Mm -hmm. have 73 foster beds for kids, kiddos in our foster care system and have some supports for parents. 
Um, last year, so I believe in 2020, we served 872 Indigenous identifying program participants. Um, we helped 334 youth to find employment. We supported 239 youth and 138 families in Calgary to leave homelessness and get into stable housing. Um, and 145 different youth, unique youth last year were diverted from our Avenue 15 youth shelter and kept out of the shelter system instead of actually coming into it. They were supported to either stabilize in their families and community and not have to enter this messy, traumatizing system. Um, and that's, that's the dream. <laughs> so mm. those are some of our high level stats. Awesome. Th thank you for sharing that. And that really helps put things in perspective. Um, I, I want to, um, if you have any kind of um, impact stories, I I'd love to hear those, but I want to, um, and maybe you'll know a little bit more about this story than me, but I remember being at that Splash of Red Gala and hearing um, from somebody who was a client. I think she's about 18 now, and she's really um, gone on to be uh, quite successful, um, like well-employed and really contributing in, in the community. Um, and when she was a much younger teenager, uh, alarmingly young, she became addicted to drugs. Um, and... Um, your organization helped her um, sort through some of the, the mental health stuff and, and get off um, addiction um, and was really moving to hear her speak. And I'm sure you have um, quite a few more of those stories. Would you be willing to share one or, or more of those? Yeah, absolutely. And Stu, I suspect that youth may have been part of a Boys and Girls Club program because that's their yeah, that's right. the gala. Um, so Sadly, I don't know an update for her, but that's, a, that's such fair. a great example. Um, yeah, I'd love to share a story. I'd love to also just briefly preface the story by sharing that I think um, something we really, I would love your listeners to sort of understand too about the work we do is that success is so contextual and that mm -hmm. success for one person might look really different for someone else. And so we're really fortunate. We hear incredible stories every single day, just as you shared, but we also love to just make sure that we're celebrating the small wins. Like for example, not necessarily everyone in our community is, is ready and able to maybe be in recovery for addiction. It's not realistic for everyone, but, um, but if we can help support them in reducing the harm that they're experiencing or whatever that looks like, that's also where we where we work from. So we really just want to offer support to meet people wherever they're at, no matter what that looks like, so that we're never turning anyone away to say, sorry, you're, you're just, you're not ready for any kind of help. So I just wanted to add that in. That's beautiful. Uh, so I would love the opportunity to share a story of uh, Kayla. I have changed her name out of respect for her privacy, but she's given us permission mm -hmm. to share this story publicly. So Kayla and I first met when she was staying at Calgary's in from the cold shelter with her partner and she was very pregnant. And um, Kayla had had a history actually of a whole bunch of different supports in her life in the past. We found out after she'd been referred to our sustainable families program that she had potentially been in some other housing programs within our broad sort of system of care in Calgary. Um, and Kayla was quite young. She was in her mid twenties and she and her partner before coming to In From The Cold had been rough sleeping in tents and um, for many, many years 
on and off behind a variety of Calgary landmarks. And they'd been surviving and doing their thing. And they were both active in opiate addiction. Um, and they'd had some amazing interactions with supports in that situation. Shout out to Calgary's Alpha House, their dope team and encampment team do amazing work. Um, when, by the time Kayla came to us, she said to us, okay, I'm pregnant. She had had, uh, unfortunately, two of her kiddos um, taken out of her care, uh, to her two sons, and fortunately put with a family member in the interim because she just wasn't able to care for them. But when she got pregnant, she realized, hey, I think, I think I'm ready for some change. And I think I'm ready to accept some of the support that might be out there for me. And that was a really brave thing, a step she took. So when we first met each other, she had already been able to transition from the uh, street drug opiates that she was accessing to Suboxone, which is an opioid dependency um, medication. And it's actually vital that any pregnant person is supported through moving off of an opiate because if you simply go cold turkey, it uh, can cause major um, issues right. for fetus and for mom. It's super dangerous. So she had already been doing that and had had sobriety from opiates for some time and was really committed to that. So together we were able to find her, her and her partner a home in the community. Unfortunately, that partner wasn't at the same place as she was. He was not ready um, to necessarily um, tackle his addiction and he just wasn't in a place to, to address it. And unfortunately, some incidents occurred in her new place that we had helped her to find between her and her partner um, to the point where it wasn't safe for her to be there anymore. And she, at that point, realized we're in a different place. It is best for me to leave this relationship. And I'm sure she thought about it many times before that. And that happens for a lot of folks in, in violent relationships. It just takes time. She was ready. And together with our, uh, our staff support, um, we were able to find her a new apartment quite quickly so that we could get her to a safe space because her partner had been arrested but was being released quite quickly. And so we got her into a safe housing in the community with another great partner agency in Calgary called Horizon Housing. And um, she moved into that apartment, absolutely loved it, had her baby. That baby came home with her as soon as she gave birth, which is so beautiful. And just a few months later, her two sons were also returned to her care full time. So this mom's story always touches my heart for one reason. When I first met her, I asked her, how are we gonna know that you're ready to graduate from our program? Cause we don't wanna, we want people to move forward with their lives. They don't necessarily need us forever. And we're okay with that. We just wanna know, how are you gonna know? How are we gonna know it's time to move forward? And she said, well, what's gonna happen is I am going to go to the top of the Calgary Tower with my two sons who she didn't have with her at the time and my baby daughter. And I am going to show them that their mom is brave because I am afraid of heights hmm. and I need to show them that they can conquer any of their fears just like I conquered my fears. So beautifully last year, we graduated Kayla from our program when she was totally ready. And we made sure as kind of a parting gift that we bought the family all passes to the Calgary Tower so that she could do just that with her boys. So she's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. We just got to be along for the ride with her story. I got, I got a little bit of goosebumps uh, listening to the, the ending of that story. That's really, really neat. Um, and the, well, what I took from it was that 
um, trellis was there in a time when if you guys weren't there, she may have stayed in that place where if she didn't have a safe place to go, um, uh, you know, uh, where, where does somebody go if they don't have an option like trellis? Um, we're in that space. And so allowing them to make those decisions with some confidence um, that they're going to be okay in, in making a brave choice is, is really, really important. And that's what I see like in this story anyways, is where trellis plays a huge part in that. Thanks. I'm, I'm glad you see that too. Um, and, uh, and while she deserves all the kudos, exactly as you said, I think that's part of why we were called trellis. If folks know what a trellis is, it's like the cool, I always think of it as a wooden structure that you put in the ground when you're gardening or, or have flowers or a viney plant. And that trellis helps ensure that that viney plant or, or flower, whatever that is, can travel up and reach sun and continue to grow and be supported as it does so. And I think that's exactly the role that we see ourselves playing in people's lives is we're not the center of their story. We don't need to be, nor should we be. They are. But if we can come in and be with they, what they need in that moment, not put up a whole bunch of barriers to supporting them to access what they need, respect their goals and their hopes for their lives instead of our assumptions about how their lives should be, all within this broader framework of, of care and, and um, being trauma-informed and, and making sure that everyone is safe. That's the dream. Well, you, you nailed that. I, I didn't make the connection between your organization's name Trellis and that um, structure. And that makes a, a whole lot of sense when explained that way. That's really cool. Thanks. When we first announced the name, I thought, what? We all got to have input on it, but it's kind of random. <laughs> but, but I hope I hope folks who are listening and even our folks in our community can kind of go, oh, I get it. And, you know, just like Boys and Girls Clubs of Calgary has become a household name or, um, you know, I'm thinking of if you're in Calgary, everybody knows the DI or um, or the mustard seed, right? Like mm -hmm. names are really important. I think when they have meaning, um, but yeah. also we, we learn to, we get used to them too. So <laughs> we're just hoping people, people can get used to that name too, but I really love what it symbolizes as well, Stu. So thanks for, thanks for making me think of that. We'll, we'll get the message out there as well. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to highlight um, and talk about, about Trellis? I realized earlier that when I was highlighting some of our stats, I accidentally left out some of the uh, stats from our community programs. And I think they matter so much. Sometimes community-based work is really hard to measure. You can't just be like, oh, we delivered two food hampers. That feels really satisfying. But community-based work can be really vague and super hard to evaluate. Um, but, but we know how important it is as like a primary prevention piece. We, we know how important community is to stop people from maybe getting to that point where all of a sudden they're faced with the decision of having to go to a shelter or they're at risk of their kiddos no longer being in their care or um, their mental health got so bad because they felt so isolated. That's where community has a role, I think. So I just wanted to add that we also, are, the family resource network hubs, we have two family resource network hubs 
in Calgary, one, sorry, one in Calgary in the south and one out actually in Strathmore. And so we serve 46 Calgary and area communities, like smaller communities through just those two hubs. And that's pretty awesome. And then um, there are also 60 different community groups and organizations that operate out of our 1000 Voices space. And that's in the Genesis Center in Northeast Calgary. So really like we have reach all across the city and around, and it's been really great to, um, to make those connections happen as we've gotten bigger as an organization. Um, because now, yeah, we get to cover a lot of, a lot of Calgary space and collaborate with a lot of other awesome agencies that are doing great work um, in the community. Well, that continues to support the question, what doesn't Trellis do? <laughs> um, so yeah, amazing work. Um, how can the community support uh, you and Trellis? I think the community can probably support Trellis right now partly by just going to our website, checking us out and getting familiar with what uh, programs that we offer and kind of who we're trying to serve in our communities, especially if any folks are listening who are curious about the kind of work I'm mentioning. Um, if you wanna just get a little bit informed about what we do, we would love that. You can also sign up, I believe, for um, some updates from, from us. You can read more stories if you go to our website as well at growwithtrellis.ca. We are always looking for folks to support us in a variety of ways. The best way to support nonprofit is always to be able to make a financial donation simply because it allows us to make decisions that are gonna best suit the needs of the folks that we serve. Um, but in lieu of that, um, we are oftentimes getting fielded for requests of donations um, or even folks that wish to volunteer. We're still kind of building that capacity out as we go because donations are awesome, but we also need to be able to have the infrastructure to do that. So, um, but if folks are interested in um, making a, a financial donation or a donation in kind, or if you're interested in your maybe your business becoming a partner or, or a, a donor for our organization, I'd strongly suggest visiting that website I mentioned and reaching out to our donor relations folks um, or simply just contacting us through our general list. Um, you can mention that you heard Kate on the podcast. <laughs> so that's, again, that's growwithtrellis.ca. Love it. We'll, uh, we'll get the word out there. We'll put it on our social media and on my LinkedIn. Um, and we'll also spread the word about uh, where the name came from. I think it's a really cool story, and uh, when people hear it, they'll get it. Thanks, Stu, and can I take a moment? Can mm -hmm. I take a moment at the end of our time to, to just say thank you to uh, Two Small Men with Big Hearts, because that generous offer of moves came in to us in December, and um, all seven of those opportunities really did make a difference for the families and youth that we were able to offer the moves to. So thank you so much for, for doing that. And I just hope we get the chance to partner again in the future. It's always an interesting experience when we join worlds together. And I know your movers were phenomenal and they also probably dealt with some funny moments with some of the families we serve that might not be typical <laughs> of their moves. Um, but I'm sure they also had, I hope they also had a great time and, and enjoyed the experience. So we really appreciate anyone who, who contributed to that move, um, helping make that happen. Uh, uh, thanks, Kate. It really is um, awesome to be able to do it. The excitement 
um, our team gets from doing those moves is awesome. Um, and, and not just with Trellis, but right across Western Canada. You know, um, some teams in, in different cities, they, they went out and they went and bought Santa's hats um, so that when they were doing this, they could be more in the spirit and cheer up the people that they were moving. They were just so excited to be able to get paid to go help um, their, their, their people in the community. So um, we, just, we just love the opportunity. It's so easy with you guys. We can talk to one organization and get a full suite of moves for, for one holiday campaign where, you know, coordinating with a bunch of charities, which we do in other cities, um, it takes a bit more work and resources and we want to leverage our giving. So it's really great to work with a team as passionate as yours um, and that we can find the volume of people to help in one place. Beauty. Yeah. And, and I think, I hope too, that for folks who participate as volunteers, like I'm a big fan of volunteering. I suspect you might be too, Stu, from, from what mm -hmm. you're sharing. Like it's only, it can only bring good things because it, it helps us all just connect to people as humans, right? Like talk about just fun, being able to go out and do those deliveries and realize and, and moves and realize that like everyone's just, we're all just people. We're all just trying to figure this out. Um, and we can do that by helping each other out in our communities in a really intentional way and, and making sure that folks who are our most vulnerable aren't, aren't, um, isolated and, and, and treated like less than. So thanks. It's, it, it's my turn to be smiling and not be able to see it. Um, I think we're going to end up, uh, trying to convince you to be our spokesperson for our app that we're building, um, we're, we're building an app through our, our attempts at volunteering the community and conversations with others that, that run businesses and want their staff to volunteer is it's difficult. It takes a lot of resources to co uh, coordinate um, their staff with the charity. And, and that's a roadblock for a lot of organizations to get those staff out. And for the charities, um, I think like you're pointing out, it, it, it takes a lot to coordinate an event where you're accepting volunteers and they know what they're gonna be doing and they got the proper paperwork signed off. We're creating an app that's gonna do a lot of that work. That's gonna remove the friction or reduce it for people to be able to volunteer in the communities and give them a choice of where they want to volunteer with different organizations that, that may hit their passion. So um, when we get to that, I'm gonna be uh, reaching out to you to see if you can spread the good word and, and see if you guys are ready for volunteers. That's awesome. Thank you for knowing that because it can feel bad when you don't think you can take this out of our <laughs> um, But it can, it can feel bad when you don't have those opportunities for folks. But yeah, people don't realize even just offering volunteer opportunities can be really intense. So that's why things like really your money can go a long way. Um, or, and what I would say to anyone maybe who's listening who doesn't know Trellis but has another organization they really care about and love, like go volunteer with them. We're all part of this big community. It's important mm -hmm. to, to work together. And, um, and as much as we love to be able to direct support our way and think that what we're doing is really meaningful, um, we also believe that we should be working together in collaboration with great things too. And, and of course, encouraging people to always vote with their dollar and, and keep, keep folks who are, who are different from us in mind when we're making big decisions about policy change too, right? Because, um, yeah, we, it's important to kind of be connected to experiences that are outside of our own so that we can think about the greater good of our community. Awesome. 
Well, Kate, you know what my last question is. So here it comes. Um, what is the kindest thing that anyone, anyone has ever done for you? The kindest thing anyone has ever done for me probably happened about five years ago. So in my early 20s, I woke up one morning to learn that my father had actually passed away suddenly of a heart attack. He lived in Ottawa with my mom and my little brother and I were both here in Calgary. So right away, tons of kind things started to happen around me. My roommates, my friends, our family around here were just absolutely incredible and supportive. Um, but when I came home to Calgary and life had to kind of go on, it was, it was tough. And I think um, for me, it was hard to kind of say, I want to move forward, but I also just want to make sure that this doesn't become um, some blip in my life. Losing a parent, just like losing anyone in your life is impactful. And so one evening I was going to um, my choir practice because I sing in a group in Calgary and a friend approached me and his words really stood out. He came right up to me, he hugged me and he said, in a few months, when everyone has mostly moved on and maybe forgotten that you've had a huge loss, I'm gonna be inviting you to my house for wine and for a talk. And honestly, it was like the most perfect thing you could say and it made me feel like he just understood. I think we forget when people are going through a loss or going through hard times, we, we all just want to fix it. We want to make it better. We want to say things like, oh, well, at least your dad didn't suffer, or you're just really lucky to have great friends. You're going to be okay. And that's all so well-meaning and caring and comes from a beautiful place, but it can really miss the mark when people are in an active state of suffering and grief. So I think mm -hmm. the reason that was so kind is because it was someone taking the time to hear me out. And I think anyone can, can show that kindness by noticing maybe someone's in pain, letting them know you're there, you hear them. It's okay to feel your feelings. That's one of the kindest things you can ever do. So, and by the way, that friend I mentioned, he uh, has become such a close part of my life. We were already friends, but he's become like family. He actually was one of the officiants at my wedding to my husband in 2019, four years later. Mm -hmm. So that experience of, of just kindness and care will stick with me for the rest of my life. Okay, thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I'm so grateful and, and these shares keep getting better because I think I'm doing a better job of explaining why we're looking for it. But the, the vulnerability that, that um, you gave to us here um, was incredible. And I think it, it really talks to the purpose of why we ask this question. Kindness always is coming from somebody else, part of the community. And it, it's showing that you don't need to be a big business or a huge organization to impact your community positively. So um, it's such, it's, it's becoming more and more my favorite way to end the show, just to show just the little things you can do to impact your community positively. So um, Kate, um, thank you so much for your time and, and Trellis for what you guys do. Um, and again, if I can, I learned something or it entrenched something for me uh, talking to you that success is simply just prog progress. And uh, I, I thank you for that learning and uh, thank you for the conversation. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time today and um, appreciated your questions. They're really thoughtful and, and great. Thank you so much for joining us on this community spotlight. If you're a volunteer or leader who knows of someone or is someone 
contributing in your community. We want to hear from you. Go to communityofbighearts.com and click the Nominate tab and let us know who they or you are. We look forward to speaking with you. Thank you again for tuning into the Community of Big Hearts.